Well, good morning, fellowship. Would you stand with us? And let's lift our voice and sing praise to our God. Thank him for his faithfulness today.
David was um, diagnosed uh, with a genetic disorder called 22Q deletion syndrome. He has a, a heart defect. We didn't know um, until kind of 20 weeks of uh, Lily's pregnancy. The Lord like warned me ahead of time saying that he's going to take us to some deep water, but I totally misunderstood what <laughs> he meant and then confirmed that he need open heart surgery um, right after birth. We sent out a prayer request the first day we got the diagnosis, and uh, one of our friends forwarded this letter to the leadership here, and they invited us to the elders meeting. They prayed for us before we headed to Cincinnati Children's. One of my biggest fear is that he, he wouldn't be able to attend in a kind of group setting um, because of all the prognosis the doctor mentioned or the research I did online. Here on Sunday, uh, when I see him, you know, interacting with people in the classroom, um, I just feel a big relief on my fears. The whole goal for um, early childhood is for families to own the spiritual development of the next generation. So um, just having that ownership, giving them tools, um, helping them feel empowered to do that and for them to feel like they can truly do that at home and that they get it reinforced at when they come on Sunday mornings. We have just an inclusive plan so they don't feel excluded because that's always my goal with whoever comes in the doors here. I just, my prayer is that they feel included, that it's very inclusive, that they feel loved and safe. And especially if there is a buddy, that's just even better because I feel like they have that one-on-one -on -one piece and then it can just continue. They can all work as a team to make that child feel included and not like they can't be part of the whole group of kiddos in the class. So based on David's history, he spent a whole first two years only with us and his brother and the therapist at home. So it's really hard for him to build that relationship and the trust with other people outside of family. But with Elise, he mentions her name a couple of times a day at home, and every time we go to fellowship, he will ask, I'm going to see Miss Elise. So he's excited to see her, and every time we drop him off here, he immediately go hold her hands and go play with her. Yeah, I think Elise have this calming, uh, kind of manner to him um, when he stressed out in the beginning that Elise didn't stress out she just kind of calmly assure David that you know you're fine I think that calmed David a lot as well and then that kind of build up the relationship between them and then when the personal relationship kind of build up and David feels more and more comfortable if without Elise, I would imagine when David got thrown into the classroom with a bunch of strangers and there's only one or two teachers that have to kind of cover everybody, then he, w he wouldn't get attention that he needed to get, get comfortable with the group. I think Elise's role um, in the kind of acclimation process for David into the classroom is crucial. So my role is to um, minister to the kids, anywhere from the kids to the adults, um, spend a lot of time with the teens um, and offering them um, just 
guidance and um, walking with them in their relationship with the Lord, whatever stage that they're at. Him being reserved just from the moment mom was trying to drop him at the door and him trying to hang on to her leg and unsure, you know, um, just like any child would be, you know, in an unfamiliar environment to, um, you know, at the end of the time. I was able to, um, you know, watch him walk in. He was excited to see me. He would have a smile, and we would go right to our little spot that we would play, you know, with his little box of cars that he enjoyed, and, you know, even to where he would go right to the mat, and if there were other children around, you know, he would engage with the other kids. So it was quite a transformation to see him, you know, really take to that. And a teacher even told me um, that he's now graduated up to preschool, um, but she walked into the foyer and he ran up to her and gave her a hug around her knees. And um, that's, that's such a cool thing to see, is that he now feels comfortable with those adults and with the other kiddos. And I feel like even his expressions changed of he was kind of timid and didn't show much emotion. And now he shows that he enjoys, you can just tell that he's light and he's happy when he's in the class, so that's really cool. Early childhood team than me. My wife Hannah is out of town this weekend, so if you had seen me about 30 minutes ago, my kids were in the green room the whole time we were practicing. I'm praying that they don't miss or break anything up in the green room. Um, but also, special needs and disabilities ministry is near and dear to my heart. My name is Pat, and I have a sister who has special needs, who lives with my parents, and will one day live with us, and we will care for her. I have a cousin named Jenna, who is also special needs. And a few years ago, my aunt and uncle brought Jenna up here, and they were camping at a local campsite, and we invited them to church here at Fellowship. And they said, uh, we, we can't go to church. We haven't been able to take Jenna to church in, I don't remember how many, but it was over a decade. And they just said that it's too difficult. And we invited them. We told them about our special needs and disabilities ministry. And they were able to go to church here for the first time in years. And Jenna was welcomed. She felt included. And she was cared for and ministered. Too. And so just wanted to highlight special needs and disabilities ministry. And if that's something that just tugs at your heart and you want to serve, uh, they're in the booth today and you can contact Morgan and they'd love to tell you how you can be involved in that ministry. Um, also, we just want to welcome you here. If this is your first time to fellowship, uh, we want to get to know you. We want to tell you a little bit more about who we are and uh, what we do here. And uh, you can follow the QR code on the screen. It'll take you to the website and you can let us know about you there. Someone will reach out or you can go to the center booth in the foyer and someone would love to welcome you there. Also, if you are a community group leader for Rogers or Springdale, the leader training is happening this morning and you don't have to get up and run over there now because it's also happening at 1030. So um, yeah, mark that down. If uh, you want to join, you can join next service. And uh, this morning, uh, we have Heath Gilbert up with us, and he's got a big update. So he's going to share some news. Yeah, so um, like Pat said, I'm Heath, and uh, we have, me and my wife, uh, we have had our sixth child uh, at Children's for the last, at Children's Hospital in Arkansas for the last um, seven weeks. Some of y'all know that, some of y'all might not, and, um, you know, day one was not good. We... Uh, 
it wasn't looking good for Mirren. Mirren is my little girl's name. And, um, you know, it was worst case scenario. Um, that is like coming straight from the, the, the pros, the doctors at Even Children's. And so um, we've had a wild ride maybe um, over the past seven weeks and maybe um, one day. I, it's too much to, I can't give you all the details right now, but man, the Lord is just worked in so many so many ways um through this situation that me and my wife have been in the last or me and my family have been in the last seven weeks and um but one thing i wanted to 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 do today is thank uh my fellowship family for all that y'all have done um whether it be phone calls text messages words words of encouragement um gift cards financial help um me and my wife, actually, me and my, me and my wife and my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law has been here. She's not from here, but she's been here for the last seven weeks, taking care of my other five children. And she has been amazed, as we have, at the love and the support that we've received from the people of fellowship, the elders, the staff, the people. And so, one thing that the Lord, uh, yeah, I've, I've never been through this thing, this season, this particular. Uh, circumstance and uh, so you never know what to anticipate Um, but the Lord um, he taught me so much and 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 I think the main thing he taught me is the importance of being in community with people having people around you because I think the Lord expressed himself the greatest in and through fellowship It was amazing to see how Christ in you fellowship expressed himself to us during this time. And so, granted, me and my wife, our faith is strong. And we knew because of the finished work of Christ Jesus that Mirren, whether she lived 99 more minutes or 99 more years, that her hope, as well as our hope, was in Jesus. And that we knew Mirren was going to make it. She was really going to make it. She was going to get better this side of heaven or she was going to get perfected and spend eternity with Jesus. And so our faith there was strong, but we couldn't, I don't know what we would have done, me and my wife and honey, my mother-in-law, without fellowship. So thank y'all um, again. We, I, I need a video like this at some point just to kind of give you all the details and thank you as much as I'd love to thank you. But anyway, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand and um, sing. Uh, a verse and a chorus of probably one of my favorite songs. Um, when it first came out, it ministered to me like nobody's business. And I think I've heard Pat uh, say from this platform how songs even themselves can 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 play a play a role in discipleship, forming our understanding and our knowledge of God. And this song did that for me. Um, and so during this circumstance, I could stand on the truth that God's good, no matter even if our circumstances are bad, bad. Amen. Amen. Our circumstances, whether they're they're good or they're bad, they don't they don't dictate God's good or badness. Which there is no badness in Him. He's good and He's faithful no matter what. And so we can stand on that. But again, I just want to say thank you, Fellowship, for being there for me and my family during this time. And I cannot wait to dive into community with y'all and, and hopefully serve y'all in the same manner that y'all have served my family. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all of my days. I've been held in your hands. 
moment that I wake until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh my, all oh my life you have been faithful. So my Darkness run out of an empty grave. 
seated alone in glory, throned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running out of the empty grave. Seated alone in glory, throned on the highest praise. Yeah, you sent the darkness running out of the empty grave.
help you, Jesus. You may be seated. Do something a little different from what I told them I was going to do this morning, but that doesn't surprise them. It's already been an emotional service for me this morning. And Heath, I want to say to you before you unstrap and go eat eggs, uh, that uh, we just thank God. I've prayed for little Miriam without ceasing, and I, I remember those first pictures I saw of her so swollen and, and filled with tubes, and to think she's home now with your five kids who are going to worry her to death, and uh, I, we're just thrilled for you and Jessica that y'all are home, so uh, thank you for keeping us so informed, and this is your family now, and I know I, I told Sam that it just seemed that ever since you said yes to coming to fellowship, that God... Uh, we believe he wanted you here because Satan has been so adamant to keep you away. Uh, and so we're thrilled. We're thrilled for you and congratulations. And uh, to Pat, I want to say to you, I'm so excited about your new role here at Fellowship. I've been on all three of our campuses teaching the last three weeks. And uh, I am just blown away by the talent that God has brought to this place. It's no better anywhere. And uh, Pat is leading us out on a new venture with Fellowship Worship and helping our group to get those songs that have been written by our uh, members and our staff to get those things out there recorded so that you can listen to them and you can watch videos that I think the world needs to hear. And so, Pat, man, we, we just want to thank you for your work in that, and, and God bless you as, as you do that. We're, you're still going to be leading on all of our campuses from time to time, but you've got to big job ahead of you and uh, we're thrilled for that so thank you and just to let you all know uh, I think we have three new elders I've not received any objections to our elders that have been presented and so I think one of them is here this morning he's taken an offering a moment ago uh, but Brett Rings uh, congratulations it's going to be great to have you join uh, our board let's pray Lord, we thank you for this morning and for this time together. We're not here by accident. Uh, Lord, this group decided to roll out this morning and to be in your house, in your presence. And uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you will speak in and through this message from Daniel chapter 6 to all of us. And remind us, Lord, that you walk with us in the most dire circumstances, even when there is much opposition. And Lord, let us remember that. It's in Christ's name I pray. God gave them that intimidating roar. That'll get your attention, won't it? That's to warn you not to stick your hand out to them. You don't say, here, kitty, kitty, to those guys, or you wind up with one hand left. That 500-pound creature, if you've ever heard them, seen them up close at the zoo, or, or maybe you've seen them up close in the wild, I don't know. But if you've ever seen one of them, and, and you hear that roar from that big beast, man, it's intimidating, isn't it? And so when we say Daniel in the lion's den, I want you to hear that roar. Hear that roar because that was an intimidating thing that God allowed him to go through. Faithfulness and faith in the face of death is what we're going to be talking about today. 
is Daniel does face death. Persecution was, and I hope you'll pardon me because I've got a, a cold. And uh, I told Luke, if I do this, it means I'm going to cough and he'll mute me. But he may not catch me once in a while. Uh, but uh, I'm fighting and prednisone is my friend right now to try to get rid of this. Uh, I'm speaking tonight too, so we'll see how the voice holds out. <clears throat> the persecution was real then and it's real now. It's real now. Just like Jesus said it would be in the Sermon on the Mount. I used to wonder back in the 70s and 80s what he meant in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes when he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. What did he mean when he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven? Because it seemed back in that time that every much, everyone was pretty much embracing the same values that we held, but not anymore. Not anymore. And then, then it seemed that Jesus was repeating himself when he said, this, he said, blessed are you. But he was getting more personal with his disciples who would all die as martyrs save one. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He said, rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they treated the prophets who were before you. Persecution is here and it's likely to stay. In the Soviet Union beginning in 1937, it was known as Stalin's great reign of terror. They initiated a campaign of religious eradication where 30,000 Christians were arrested and almost half of them were executed. And that was just the beginning. In Tom Doyle's book, Killing Christians, he quotes Fareed, a Syrian Christian, and I've read some of this to you before. Satan is on the rampage through Syria, the lion fighting to annihilate the church. Torture and killing continue every day, and each month we hear of new terrorist groups forming. All seem intent on outdoing one another in committing unspeakable evils. I used to think I lived, in a, I lived a life of sacrifice, but that changed when the war broke out. What I thought was sacrifice was actually just an inconvenience. Okay, get your cameras out because I'm going to have you scan a QR code in just a moment. This is op from opendoors.org. And... Illustrates here, you can go to that website and you can get this map. You can click on each one of those countries. And these are the 50 most dangerous places for Christians to live in the world. Now, I use this list to pray for these persecuted countries daily. I will choose three or four of these countries and pray over them. And if you click on that map, it will tell you things that you can pray for them. And now... Let's put the QR code up there because this will give you the 50 most persecuted countries for Christians to live in. You could take that. These people are counting on our prayers. They need our prayers. And so let's be faithful to do that for them. Now back to Daniel. Why do we pay careful attention to Daniel? 
I mean, for crying out loud, this was 2,700 years ago. But what does that, what does that matter to us? Well, let me read a scripture for you, John 24, 15. It says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet, say it, Daniel. If Jesus gives credence to the words of Daniel, then so should I, shouldn't I? And remember that over the next few weeks when you're studying the prophets, I mean the prophecies of Daniel about the end times. Remember, Jesus quoted him in Matthew chapter 24 when he was talking about the great apocalypse that is to come. Today we find Daniel in his mid-80s. You know, we always see the pictures of a young man being taken to the light. But he was an old man being taken to this lion's den. And so keep that in mind. He was a high-ranking official in Babylon even though he was in exile. His commitment to God, his spiritual discipline was recognized from the time he went to Babylon until now as an old man. He was faithful in his walk with God. And even unbelievers recognized that. So who are the characters in this narrative? Well, first of all, we have Daniel. And then we have uh, King Darius. I've heard it pronounced all sorts of ways. Darius, Darius, and I'll probably say all three before we finish here. But in the Persian, he was known as Gabaru, probably. Then we have the satraps that were governing local officials over the province of Persia. They, they were politicians, but we're going to call them the mob. Okay, they're going to be known as the mob from here on out, all right? And then we have the lions. Cue the lions. Yeah, we want to hear them once in a while when I mention the lions, just so you get an image of what they're like. Thank you very much, Luke. And then we have God and his protecting angel. God and his protecting angel over Daniel. And then we have a chiastic structure here in the book of Daniel. Here at Fellowship, we adopt a literal, historical, and grammatical interpretation of Scripture. And so we study the structure of the passages. And uh, if you want to pull that up from our website, you can look more closely at it and spend some time with it. But let's jump into it. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. We see Daniel is faithful in service. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, politicians, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among his administra the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. It wasn't that he just had a nice personality. He, he excelled in those things he was asked to do. He followed them with excellence. And excellence is doing the best you can with what you have every chance you get. Daniel followed excellence. That the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The king had plans for him. This guy's good. I can entrust the kingdom to Daniel. Note that Daniel became a great man of influence in the foreign kingdom. He had unquestionable character, verse 4. 
At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they weren't able to do so. This guy was clean. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He got the job done. And finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Wouldn't that be great if that could be said of us? That the only way that someone could find something to say bad against us is are looking at our faithfulness to God. And they couldn't find anything. So note that the mob was driven by envy. A man of influence in a group filled with envy. Trying to bring him down. Verse 6. The plot of the mob. So the administrators and satraps went as a group. Now the original meaning of this Hebrew phrase is to go in tumult. In other words, they were like a posse. They were going after somebody. I thought earlier that this reminded me of the Jews when they were taking Jesus to Pilate's palace to try to convince Pilate to have him crucified. They had an agenda. And so whenever you see there, they went as a group. Think of the word tumult. They went as a group to the king and said... May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. Everybody's of the same mind. It's mob intimidation. We're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. We've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians who had conquered the Babylonians. And it cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the, uh, the decree in writing. Why not, he thought. I'm up for 30 days of adoration and worship of myself. So note that Darius was a man who was driven by his ego. Daniel, a man of influence. The mob filled with envy. And now a king who's full of himself. He has an ego. So what does Daniel do? Well, he called all the Jews together and he said, let's make up signs down with Darius. And he said, let's go walk in the streets and let's block traffic. Let's let everybody know what we think. Let's unfriend him on Facebook, everybody. Let's get the word out. Let's get on Twitter and tell the whole world just how bad a king he is. And then let's do a TikTok video. And then let's, let's what else? Instagram. Don't forget your Instagram accounts, whatever you do on there. Let's get out there and let them know what a bad guy he is. Let's be as loud and obnoxious as we can possibly be on every media outlet that we can find. Is that what he did? 
No. Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. <laughs> just as he had done before. Just as he had done all of his 80-something years. This is just an aside. You won't believe this, but those who uh, institute rabbinic law, the Jews later on used this verse to require people to pray only in a house that had windows. <laughs> I mean, you know. How naive is Daniel? How naive is Daniel to think that prayer can get him out of this? Does he, does he think God is going to rescue him? That all you've got to do is go pray? I want you to remember that next time someone is trying to ridicule you for not doing more. Daniel just went to his house. He got down on his knees. And he put it in the hands of the one who can do anything. Friend, there's a lot we can learn from Daniel's example. As Abraham Joshua Heschel said, prayer may not save us, but it makes us worth saving. Drawing near to God makes us more like Him. We don't presume God's will in prayer. We don't presume that He's going to do everything that we ask Him to do. But in the process, we draw near. And it's always to our benefit. In this verse we find. Civil disobedience. An example of. What we should do. First of all pray. In Romans 13. Paul tells us to. Obey the government. Jesus said render to Caesar. What is Caesar's. And yet we find. Peter in Acts chapter 5. Saying we must obey God. Rather than men. There is a time for all of us when we're called to stand firm because those in authority reject God, reject His ways. They will go against things that we most surely believe. But we've got to be careful to follow what the Bible says, not political whims or culture. We have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Especially on issues where we may not have all the information. Be careful not to just jump on the first shiny, polished political bandwagon or cultural bandwagon that comes along. We must be thoughtful. And our first stop is on our knees. Don't go anywhere without going there first. Amen. Just making sure you agree. I'll remember that the next time I get an email. <laughs> Verse 11, then these men, the mob, here's our phrase, went as a group. 
and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They, they looked in his house. They looked in his house. They were peeking in the window. Verse 12, checkmate. Checkmate. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Affirmation of the earlier. Then the accusation. Then they said to the king in verse 13, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. Look at that. Hey, he's not one of us. He's from Judah. He was an exile. He pays no attention to you, your majesty. Order the decree you put in writing. Hey, he's disrespected you. He's ignored you. He still prays three times a day as a leader. Darius couldn't tolerate this insubordination. So now we see mob persuasion. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He really liked Daniel. He had heard the stories about he had helped kings of the past. Then the men went, here they go, went as a group, as a mob to, the king, to king Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And so the verdict, he's locked in. He's got to do it. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. It wasn't a calm place. The idea there is it's, it's dug, dug in the Hebrew. It was a dug pit with a covering over it. And then the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. There's no record of Daniel's response to the king, but his attitude was probably very similar to Rakshak and Benny. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who responded to King Nebuchadnezzar's threat by saying this in chapter 3, verse 17. You studied this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. He's always able to deliver us. But did you hear what Heath said a little bit ago? She would either be healed here or on the other side. What great faith from a father who was willing to say to his father, not my will, but your will be done. That's strong. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. God doesn't always rescue us. Many have been martyred for his causes. Doesn't always. But we trust our lives to him. They likely, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego likely learned that resolve from Daniel. 
a leader. Like the faith of Job, we find in 1315, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. It's a good verse to remember, especially when you've been given bad news. So a stone was brought, verse 17, and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring. That way, if anyone messed with it, it was sealed. If the seal was broken, somebody had messed with it during the night. With his signet ring and the kings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation... <coughs> missed me. Sorry. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating... And without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And now poor Daniel was locked away with those lions in the den. In the big ice storm we had, I think it was back in like 2009, something like that. <coughs> Excuse me. You remember that big ice storm? It was terrible. Terrible. Well, my, da my daughter rescued a cat out of the ice storm. It was a little kitty. And no mom, anything, so she rescued this cat. And she asked me if she could take it home. I said, that's fine. Because her mother's allergic to cats. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not going to have to be the bad guy in this situation. We'll let mom handle it. Well, she named the cat Fuzz. And there is Fuzz. And Denise wasn't allergic to this cat. And so we wound, out, wound up with this cat for years and years and years and years. And you could see she was a beautiful cat. Had this beautiful coat. You'd think she had shed, but she didn't shed. It was just, it was, it was amazing. And she was into everything, as you can see. On the right hand, if you had a sack out, or if you left a drawer open, or if you were trying to pack a suitcase, she was right in the middle of it on top of your stuff. That was fuzz. And she was a beautiful tortoiseshell cat, but she was also the meanest cat west of the Mississippi. <laughs> she weighed 17, yeah, she weighed 17 pounds. 17 pounds, that cat was huge. And I love to watch people come into our home that didn't know Fuzz, and they just had to pet this beautiful cat, and she'd be lying there with that tail just going back and forth slowly. And they had to reach down and pet this beautiful cat only for her to bare her fangs and hiss just as loud as she could, not running off, not moving a muscle, but just daring them. Touch me. <laughs> Touch me. But she loved Josie and she loved me. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun with that old mean cat. You couldn't keep the food. I still catch myself putting food on top of the refrigerator because fuzz. She trained me. She could get into anything. You know those angel food cakes with the plastic thing that you can't get off? Fuzz could. Yeah. <coughs> fuzz could get those things off. She could get into food. One of her favorite things, I'd be on the recliner about to take a nap or something, and she would jump up on my chest and put her chin to my chin, and I'd nod off or something, and then she would just bite the devil out of my chin. I mean, Hard. Hard. And she wouldn't move. She would just lay her ears back like that, knowing I was going to slap her and try to teach her not to do that. But she'd do it every time. Well, Fuzz was a mean feline, but nothing like these guys. 
something like that. I mean, those things are dangerous. And so now we find Daniel in this place of being locked in with the lions. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den because, you see, he wasn't able to sleep all night. Nothing could help him. He returned to the palace, and all he could think about was Daniel. But that next morning, first light of dawn, he, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Remember, God is able. In verse 21, Daniel answered the king, May the king live forever. Don't you know when he heard that voice? He was filled with wonder and confusion. How in the world, in this den of lions, was he able to live through the night? May the king live forever. And I noticed something else. Here the king had sentenced him to death, put him in the den of lions, but he still respects his authority. He still respects his authority as the king. We've lost that in our world today. Have you noticed the media? They don't, they don't call our, our president by president this or president that. They just call them by their last names. In our country, we've lost the sense of decorum and respect that used to be there. We need to get that back. We need to get that back. What Daniel say, my God sent his angel credit to where credit was due. Psalm 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. He gave credit where credit was due. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. God is the ultimate judge. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused. Interesting word in the Aramaic here literally says, eaten pieces of Daniel. The mob who were trying to eat pieces of Daniel, were actually eaten themselves. They were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. He was a barbaric man. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. He made them pay for that lost night of sleep. And then King Darius, Darius, I told you I'd use all three in one sentence. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves 
He performed signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What do we learn from this? God rewards the faithful. God rewards the faithful, either in this life or in the next. Daniel was a man of courage and conviction. Let me implore you, don't easily edit your convictions. No matter how loud the mob gets, no matter the accusations that they make, don't easily edit your convictions. Stand firm. Stand firm on this. Not what you think, but what this says. What this says. Daniel was consistent in his godly example from the time he was a young man to the time he's now old. He was consistent. You wonder how he spent that night in the lion's den? I can just see him 80-something years old leaning on one of them and taking a nap. Or maybe he talked to the angel all night. Who knows? We can only speculate. Daniel was faithful in prayer. If you don't have a regular time with the Lord, start. Start. Don't try to work it in. Make it a priority. Let it be at the top of your list of everything you got to do that day because I think we would all acknowledge that our connection with the Father in heaven is the most important thing we do. Make it happen. Daniel maintained his testimony even amid persecution. That's easier said than done. That's why we need community. That's why we need all of us. So that we can stand firm together. And Daniel, through his faithfulness to God, changed his world. So can you. You. Just little old you and me. We can change our world through our faithfulness to God. You know, that's what those Christians in those persecuted countries are doing. They're standing strong. They're counting on your prayers. And they're changing the world. So can we. I think Northwest Arkansas is a better place to live because of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas and all the other evangelical churches who make Jesus an issue. May the faithfulness of Daniel inspire us to do the same. Oh Lord, you are good to give us such incredible stories that we can see your love and faithfulness and consistency to those who follow you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the story of Daniel. And thank you for the opportunity you have given us to express you to the world around us. Oh Lord, open 
open our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. We want to listen and we want to follow. Jesus is our witness.
God, may we remain faithful through every season, holding fast to you, keeping our eyes on you. Teach us to walk by your spirit, to trust, to obey. And God, would you teach us how to pray to our Father in heaven. We pray that your kingdom come, your will would be done in our lives and in this world. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Fellowship, go in peace. If you'd like prayer this morning, we have the Thompsons in the prayer room. They'd love to pray for you.